The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be in church. I called Pastor Jason last night and uh, just to check on him, see how the fireworks stand was going and all of that. And I said, I, I got home. I was in Pagosa Springs yesterday. As a matter of fact, Becky I decided to stay there, so I came home last night, but uh, I got home, and it started getting dark, and fireworks started going off around my house, and I called Pastor Jason, and I said, who in the world would be selling these kind of fireworks to all these people? And he said, you never know. You just don't know. <laughs> Man, it's good to be here today. It really is an honor uh, to be able to be here, to worship with you, and uh, every, you know, I don't get here very often, uh, but uh, when, I, when I do, something's new every time, you know. I noticed the speakers, the outdoor speakers when I came in this morning, and I said, how long have those been here, there? And uh, Nanette said, I, I think just a few weeks. I said, good. I thought you were going to say two years, and I'm just now catching up. But uh, it's, it's such an honor to be here with you, uh, to be able to worship with you. Um, let me just say real quickly, um, and I love, 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 love your heart for missions. And when the kids come in, that's such a really big deal. You need to know something. Because 33 years ago, before we actually got into a building, before we you know, took a lot of those first steps, there were about 15 of us that got together over here in a little daycare for our very first formal gathering. And the very first offering that we received, I said to the people, this offering is going to be designated to missions, every penny of it, because from day one, this church is going to be a church that is not about ourselves, it's about others. It's about reaching others. And uh, so I, I think about it every time I hear you guys talking about generosity, uh, watching the kids come in here. Um, the, the, as a matter of fact, the lady that came up with the crazy idea of this dash for cash was our first children's pastor. And it was, I'm telling you, it was, it was, they would go crazy. They would, it was nuts. Over in the original first building, I'm just, I'm not preaching yet. I'm just telling some stories. But, but I, I remember one of those, one of those mornings we had dash for cash and we had about, I don't know, 200 chairs just jammed in that building and it was I mean, people everywhere. And I remember the kids were going around trying to get to the money and somebody on like the third row back here in the middle, and all of that was full, raised a hand, and a little boy went over two rows of chairs to go get that money. And the next time I had a meeting with our ushers, I said, guys, you don't, you're not nearly as motivated as those kids. We got to do better than this. Come on. Come on. But uh, thanks for being a missions church. By the way, uh, th this church has always been a missions church from its very beginning in the very beginning, I mean, it's, it's been a, a church of generosity. The last two or three, two years for sure, I think maybe three, but this church has been the number one missions-giving church in New Mexico in all of our network. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And let me just put that in perspective. We have 13,000 churches across America that are part of our, of our fellowship. And this church was number 81 out of 13,000 last year. So uh, to God be the glory. It's not about us. But thank you so much for being a, a, a missions church. And uh, by, the, by the way, how many of you were here last Sunday? Were you here last Sunday? 
I, uh, I know Pastor Jason mentioned this and, and because he knows that, that typically, I was in dimming last Sunday preaching, but he said, you know, mom and dad, they always listen, they always watch. Becky's watching right now from Pagosa Springs, cool Pagosa Springs. And hi, babe, hope you're doing good. But, uh, but he, he said, uh, you know, I've, I've told some stories in this uh, series, uh, and they told one a few weeks ago about, uh, about a switch. You remember, for those of you who were here, about how he, get, he got in trouble? I know you would never guess that Pastor Jason got in trouble as a little boy, but he got in trouble, and uh, I don't know if I told him to do it or his mom told him to do it, but since I'm telling the story, his mom told him, go cut a switch off of this tree. And for this younger generation, I thought, they, they're sitting there. They don't have a clue what we're talking about. They don't know what a switch is. They don't know what you do with a switch. But back in the day, back in the day, people, parents were mean. And they would take a switch. If it was my mom, she would take anything she could get her hands on. Jason, you go cut a switch off that tree, and you're going to get a spanking. And I heard him say last week that... Uh, I was going to set the record straight on a bunch of stories. I'll just tell you, I don't have time. I don't have time. There are way too many stories. Way too many stories. But I will tell you that most of those stories that he tells you are true. <laughs> but there's a lot of things we can laugh about. I grew up in a world where my grandfather had a razor strap. And some of you say, what in the world is a razor strap? But he had a razor strap. It's about this wide. It hung behind the bathroom door in the only bathroom in their house. And as a little boy, every time I would go to the bathroom, I would close the door and I would see that razor strap. And there was a voice that came from that razor strap that said, Mike, you better be good. But he had to use that razor strap on me a few times. But a lot of stories. A lot of, lot of neat stories. Can I just tell you one kind of fun one with, with Pastor Jason? Um, is this being recorded? Is this online? Or any, I'm going to tell it anyway. Anyway, but but when when Jason was five years old, we went to pastor uh, uh, a church here in Albuquerque on the far east side after serving as youth directors for a number of years. So he was five years old. He didn't really know anything about being pastors. He only knew uh, youth ministry from a little boy's perspective. And the very first Sunday that we were in that church. The Sunday school teacher came out afterwards, and she was, you, you, I wish you could have known her. She was just dying laughing. She said, I've got to tell you about Jason. And we said, what did he do now? She said, I walked into the Sunday school class, and Jason was standing up on top of a chair. He was standing on top of the chair, and I, I was very kind, and I said, Jason, you, you need to get down and sit down because we're going to start the class. And and he didn't do it. And so she, she could be very firm. She said, Jason, I'm telling you, you've got to sit down because we've got to start this. To which he looked at her and said, I don't have to. I'm the pastor of this church. We had to have a switch on that one as well. <clears throat> Man, it's good to be in church this morning. I, uh, I, I've loved this series, uh, Familia. All things about family. Man, you guys have been able to talk about a lot of different things from the Word of God. Uh, what does God want to say to us uh, about our individual lives? And uh, I was thinking about this. The Lord's just really been stirring my heart in, in recent days about today. And uh, have you ever had, just had a family talk? 
uh, where, where maybe the parents got the family together and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about some things. And I, I kind of think Sunday morning is kind of like the Father God saying, let's, let's get together. Let's get together. Let's spend time together. Opportunities for us to worship Him. And let's have a family talk. And by, by the way, in this family talk, have you ever had a family talk and there are certain family members that weren't invited to the family talk, but the people in the family talk talked about the people that probably never happened. But when God wraps his arms around us and says, let's, let's have a family talk, this is not a, for the people that are not here today, except those that are online. It's about us. This, I, I think God just wants to talk to you and to me this morning. Are you open for that? wonder what God wants to talk to us about. He could talk to us about anything. And yet, God knew exactly who was going to be here today. And he has designed this moment so he could talk to us. Can we just pause for a moment, just prepare our hearts? You do this all the time here. But Father, we just, wanna, we just want what you want. God, we've come together. We've sure enjoyed worshiping. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. God, we're, we're so grateful, Lord, that, that you love us enough, God, to, to draw near to us and allow us to draw near to you and you speak into our lives. So God, as the word of God is open this morning, we just open our hearts to you. We don't want to just go through the motions. God, speak to us. God, I give you permission to say anything you want to say to me. Spoken or unspoken, speak it to me. God, I give you permission, God, to, to, to turn the spotlight on my life and to work in me powerfully today. I give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God is a master communicator, isn't he? Really amazing. I mean, he made us. He created us. He was speaking before he created humanity. He spoke us into existence, and, and God knows how to talk to his creation. One of the things I, I love as I read through the Word of God, and I see it in everyday life, is how God uses everyday, ordinary reference points to speak powerful, eternal truth into our lives. There's a story in Jeremiah 18 that is an incredible, incredible example of this. It's, a, it's no doubt a day in the life of Jeremiah that he would never forget. Have you ever been to a place and thought, wow, this, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never experienced anything like this before. This was one of those days for Jeremiah. It was a message that God wanted to deliver to Jeremiah, a message about Israel, and the setting was the potter's house. It was a message about God's dream for Israel and what God desired for to take place in their lives. And so it was a message for Israel. It was a message, obviously, for Jeremiah. And I believe that on this Sunday morning, it's a message for every single one of us. And the word that God began to speak to Jeremiah and even speaks to us about today is that single word, transformation. I want you to think about that word, transformation. A, a simple definition, I'll just give this to you. Transformation relates to God's dream for you, where you've, where you've come from, where we are today, and where God wants to take us. It's, it's that journey. It's that transformational journey that God wants to take us on. 
Aren't you glad that God had a dream about transformation in your life when you could see no way out of the darkness, no way out of the bondage, no way out of the hopelessness, but God transformed our lives. And as Jeremiah considers this message about transformation, no doubt he can easily relate to it because you remember in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, God came to Jeremiah when he was just a young man and he spoke to him powerfully one day saying, Jeremiah, you need to understand, son, before you were even born, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. I formed you. I had a plan. I had a purpose. I had an assignment for your life. That's what transformation is all about. Every single one of us in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, we all have a starting place. You were born somewhere. We have a starting place. We have a a current reality. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning before you came to church? You don't want to look in the mirror, huh? Were you happy with what you saw? That mirror sometimes, it's crazy what mirrors do, isn't it? The bottom line is we have, we have a, a starting place, we have a current reality, but we have, we have a future. We, we have a, a future that God is working on, and the picture looks like that work in progress. I thought about this, and I, I thought about when our oldest granddaughter, Mercy, was born. And we've got a picture I want to show up, up there. 19 years ago, let's get that picture up there of mercy. There she is just, just shortly after she's born. Her daddy's holding her there. And it's one of those really special daddy-daughter moments. And, and every one of you, you have some reference to this. Uh, but you know the interesting thing about mercy at that point? She, there were so many things she could not do. He was so proud of her, but she couldn't talk. She couldn't walk. She couldn't work. She couldn't help clean the house. She couldn't sell fireworks. Are, are you, you, you understand? I mean, I know that's simple, but that, is a, that was a current picture of mercy. I'm glad she's not here today, so do not tell her that I showed these pictures. I have another one that I dug out. It's like 13 years later, and she looks a little bit different. Uh, there she is, 13 years later. You know, she's, uh, you know, she's growing up. She's got her glasses by that time. She's done something to earn some sort of an award at school. Uh, and, th- and that's a picture of mercy there. Those two pictures, every one of us, we could just grab some pictures off our phone or whatever. This was me five years ago. This is me today. This is what I was doing 30 years ago. This is where I am today. That's what transformation is all about because God intersects our lives and he takes us on a journey. Somebody said, I don't know who first coined this, that God loves you just exactly where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you that way. He's constantly at work in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, uh, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's workmanship. When our boys were really, really small, one of the things that 
kind of characterized our world in those days was that at the end of the day, we would, we would finally, you know, we'd wind down. It was time to go to bed, and uh, we'd put the kids to bed, Jason and Gerald, and, uh, you know, we would pray with them and all these kind of things. And then the final thing that would happen was that my wife would put on a cassette tape and for the younger generation, you don't have a clue what that is, but you, you can Google it. It's, it's there. There was a time, anyway, I'm, I'm not going there, but she would put on a cassette tape with this, these children's songs, uh, and the boys would go to sleep every single night listening to these children's songs. Uh, and I, I've thought about this many times since then. I've thought, was she putting the songs on for the boys, or was she putting the songs on for me? Uh, I don't know, but I think they work either way. And one of the songs that, that, that's the only one that I remember from all of those songs that the, that the boys listened to was a song entitled, He's Still Working On Me. Anybody ever heard that? It's, it's been a long time ago. But it simply said something like this, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, but he's still working on me. Anybody relate to that today? Look at your neighbor right now and just say, he's still working on you. He's still working on me. That's what transformation is all about. That's exactly what God wanted to speak to Jeremiah about on this day when he says, Jeremiah, I don't know what you had planned for the day, but I want you to go down to the potter's house. Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word that came from Jeremiah the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. I want, you to, I want you to kind of step into that. I saw him working at the wheel. God is wanting Jeremiah to hear something from him. He's wanting to use a very ordinary visual, if you will, for Jeremiah to really catch this. And Jeremiah says, I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as seemed best to him. That's what transformation's about. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. That's really the crux of all this. Can I not do with you? Let's personalize it. Can I not do with you and me? Like this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. I saw him working at the wheel. I want to frame this just very, very quickly. It's simple, but I don't want us to miss it. The potter in this picture is God. He's not just watching a potter that's forming the, the vessel out of the clay. The potter is really God. The potter's wheel the potter's wheel. I don't know if you've ever spent any time around a potter's wheel or if you've seen it, but it, it goes round and round and round. That potter's wheel speaks of the process. Some things change on the potter's wheel. Are you with me this morning? They change. What, was, what, what once was changes on the potter's wheel. It speaks of the process. The clay, that's you and me. That's you and me. Don't miss that this morning. Everything we're going to be talking about, you and I are like those lumps of clay. The potter's desire 
speaks of the potter's dream, that God's dream that he has for every one of us. God looks at you and he loves you right where you are. But God has dreams beyond where you are. Let that soak in. Parents, think about the dreams you have for your children. Grandparents, think about the dreams that you have for, your, for, for those grandchildren or great-grandchildren. It speaks of, of the dreams that God has for you and I. And I just want to declare over us this morning, God has incredible dreams for you. You may say, man, I don't like the way some things are going in my life. Uh, just hang in there, be patient, make room for God, because God is dreaming some dreams over your life that would blow your mind if you get a, begin to get a glimpse of it. God's dreams. And then finally, finally, the vessel that comes off of that wheel, it depicts that dream becoming reality. I remember years ago, <clears throat> it's been a long time ago, was early in the formation of this church, I preached a series of sermons basically in and around this particular portion of Scripture. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've got a bunch of them, but man, I love this word picture. I love this illustration. And in the middle of that series, I found myself, I had this brainstorm. Most of the time, I have these brainstorms like on Saturday night when it's too late to pull them off or any, something like that. But I, I found myself many times thinking, man, I wish I were an artist. I wish I was an artist. Because so many times as I'm preaching the Word of God, I'd love to be able to have a canvas and just be able to illustrate it. And, you know, I, I'm one of those individuals, Bill Keeter, we've done this many times. How many times have we gone to lunch and in the middle of a lunchtime together, I've grabbed a napkin and I'm just, I can't draw anything, but I'm scribbling things on the napkin. I, I want to be able to illustrate it. And in the middle of that series, I, I, I thought, I had this crazy idea. I thought, man, I, that's what the Word of God is telling us about, but I, I'd give anything. I wish I was a potter. That's what I really wish. Well, I'm not. But I thought, wonder if anybody in our church has any connections to a potter. What I, my idea was, I'd like to preach some of this and have a potter's wheel right up here. And I mean, I, I began to see, envision this happening. And I began to ask around. And I found that there was a lady in the church who had been a potter. And she said, uh, I, I went to her and I said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Uh, do you know anybody? And she said, well, I used to be a potter. I still have access to the wheel. And uh, if you want to do an illustration, I can make it happen. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll never forget that Sunday as long as I live. There may be one or two people in this room that, that would remember that. But I, I'll never forget it. I'm telling you, I came to that Sunday, and it was, uh, I, was, I was like a kid at Christmas time, just counting down the hours for that person to arrive. I got to the church early that morning before anyone else. I knew she was going to bring the potter's wheel. And uh, I, I saw her pull up in the parking lot, and I, I walked out, and I said, Hey, can I help you? And we're carrying in the potter's wheel, and we're setting it up. This was over in the old building, but we were setting it up on, on the stage there and getting it all ready to go. And I'm just enamored by it all. I don't know anything about potters or I don't know anything about these things. And, and uh, then uh, I kept looking around thinking, where's the clay? Where, where's the clay? And uh, she said, well, come, come, come go with me. And I, we walked out. She opened the back of her car and she reached in for the clay. And I will just, this, this will really illustrate how ignorant I was because what she pulled out of the car didn't look like what I expected from the clay. It looked like a brick or a cinder block, if you will. It, that's what it, I mean, it looked like that. And I, I remember reaching down and touching it. It was, it was hard. 
It was hard, like, like concrete. And I thought, I don't think this is going to work. You remember who the clay is? You and I? She picked it up. We walked back toward the building. I'll never forget. We got on the front porch of the building, and she said, uh, we're going to have to do something here. And she raised that block of clay above her head, and she slammed it down on the concrete. And I went, ouch. I knew what I was going to be preaching about. There's a whole sermon there. I wish I had time to really develop it. She picked it up, and she slammed it again and again and again, finally she said, I'm tired. You work on it for a while. And we had to work on that because that clay, by the way, that clay had to be transformed uh, uh, incrementally so that it could even ultimately go onto the potter's wheel. But that morning, we ultimately, she took that, that clay in. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I started preaching, and she started preaching. I'm just telling you, she started preaching. I, I kept getting distracted by my own sermon because here she was, and she starts with simply a lump of clay that's without form. It has no purpose. It has no design. You can't, I, it's, just a, it's just a lump of clay. But how many of you know it's never just a lump of clay to the potter? And that wheel began to turn, and as I began to preach the sermon that morning, uh, all of a, uh, not all of a sudden, but over a period of, mo- of minutes, uh, as I was preaching, that, that clay began to take shape. Uh, and at the end of the sermon, she held, she held that up uh, in front of us, uh, and we were able to see that process, what that process had produced. And there are so many sermons beyond that because it had not gone into the fire. All of the things you can imagine that we could talk about this morning. But out of that, out of that, the question, the question is, that's, I, I see that in the clay, but how do I move from where I am to where God wants to take me? And all those years, years before God gave me a, a thought. I remember sharing it years ago, and I've, I've never forgotten it. I've never gotten away from it. It simply was this. I'm not what I once was. How many of you are glad you're not what you used to be? Yeah. I'm not what I once was. I'm not what I will be. I'm not there yet. But I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. I am forgiven, and I am being changed. For these moments together this morning, I, I want to ask us for the next few minutes to kind of step from the observation deck of the potter's house. And I want us to come in close to God with the reference of the potter and the clay. And I have some questions for us to consider at the potter's house. Question number one, have you acknowledged the potter in your life? Have you acknowledged him, God? Do you have a relationship with him? A relationship, not just to know him from a distance or to perhaps hear about him, but do you have a personal relationship with the potter? Have you invited Jesus into your life? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Have you settled the question of authority and surrender to the potter? How about your relationship? Have you come to that place of total surrender? Who's really in charge of your life? Very, very fundamental. How about the relationship that you have with 
the potter. By the way, he wants to have a loving relationship with you, a caring relationship with you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to love you into relationship. Amen? How about the relationship with the potter? Question number two, how's the process going? No, I mean, really, how's the process going? Uh, The transformation process. What does the picture of your life look like today? I showed a picture of Mercy as a little baby, and then 13 years later, she's a different young lady. She's a different person. How's the process really going in your life? How many of you know that there are times the process seems to be going really well, and we love that? And there are other times that it's not going as well. We start and we stop and we get distracted and we get hung up on things. Oh, I know not you, but you get the point? We get sidetracked. We make a wrong turn. Anybody ever made a wrong turn? You make, you make a wrong turn. If, if it's a man, you make the wrong turn. Your wife asks, do you know where you are? Absolutely. Most of the time, we don't have a clue. We make wrong U-turns. I mean, the bottom line is we could define our lives in a lot of different ways, but but how's the process, that, that journey with God, how is it really going? Have you moved from one point to the other recently? Is God, I mean, is God actively taking you on the journey? Is anybody stuck? You ever get to places in your life and it's like, I'm just stuck here. How's the process going? If you were to try to draw, even with your limited ability, even a pencil drawing that would describe your life, would it have purpose that God has? Would it have the beauty that God desires? Or is there chaos and confusion? Are there things going on in your life that have left you in a very unhealthy place? How's the process really going? Question number three. Where are the hang-ups in your life? I could say that in a lot of different ways. What about the lumps in the clay? You remember the, the story from Jeremiah? I read it just a few moments ago. Jeremiah is watching this potter as this potter is shaping that clay into a vessel. And then it says, and the, and the vessel became marred in his hands. I don't want us to miss this because this is not, the backstory of that is not, uh, it's not that the, the potter did something wrong. It's not that the potter all of a sudden is saying, oops, I did something wrong. I I pressed at the wrong time. I put the pressure. No, no, no. The picture is really that as the potter begins to work with that clay, whatever's on the inside of that that clay, I mean, whatever is, is, is a part of the makeup of that clay, it's going to come to the surface. It's going to, it's going to become reality as the potter's hands are carefully shaping and forming that vessel. It basically is a picture that there, there's a lump in that clay. There's something in that clay that is going to have to be dealt with Otherwise, that vessel will never be what the potter designed. The potter had to take that clay, take that vessel. It's becoming a vessel, but he had to take it back down. He had to work on that clay. He had, does God need to work on anything in your life? Is, I mean, is God looking at you and saying, I'm so proud of you. You are a finished product. I am finished working on you. Where are the lumps in, your, in, in the clay in your life, the things that limit your relationship with God? 
Oftentimes, it could be so many different things. Unresolved issues. Unresolved issues. It could be offenses. Offense comes, doesn't it? None of us get a pass on offense. Things happen. Life is not fair. Offenses come. Have you noticed that carrying offenses, you can carry them around, but they don't just go away. The only way they're going to change is to let God deal with the, the, with the offense in our lives. What about unforgiveness? Say, Pastor, could we just go back to that nice, pretty picture of the clay and the potter? The clay became, the, the vessel became marred in his hands. Are, are there areas in our lives that, that we, we need to deal with, that we need to give to God? Things that, if we're not careful, and all of us can relate to this, if we're not careful in life, things happen to us that, that scar us, they impact us, they, they cut deep into our lives. But if we're not careful, rather than dealing with the issues, we learn to live with the limp. It's easier to live with the limp than it is to deal with the issue that God wants to deal with. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. Are there any lumps in the clay? Since we're here, let's just drill down a little further. What about the delicate issues? What about the delicate issues? You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the things we don't want to talk about. Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever had a friend who really knew you? And that friend was talking to you and saying, so how's it going? And you're smiling and saying, great. And your friend saying, come on. I know you. And you know me. And there's something that we need to talk about, but you're not willing to talk about it. And you, and you look at your friend and say, I don't want to talk about it. Delicate issues. Let me tell you, God loves you too much to just work around the delicate issues. God has a dream for your life that can only become reality when we allow him to deal with the lumps in the clay and when we give him the key to the closet that we don't want anyone looking into. I want you to think about it. Relate it to a house. Maybe people come to your house and you're showing them around the house. And, you, you know, isn't it interesting? We show them the, the things that we're proud of. We, look, look at this. This is what we've been working on. We've got this, you know. And this is, you know, this is this particular room and all of that. And then there's, there's, a, there's a door. And maybe they're saying, well, what's in there? No, we don't go in there. Delicate issues. Every, th- every time I think about delicate issues, my mind goes back to, Years ago, when we were building this building, I'll never forget it. We were here on a Saturday working on the building. The steel superstructure was up. Those, those beams up there that you see, that was basically the steel superstructure super that was up. And there were some, they call purlins, that went between them. And anyway, I won't get into all the construction, but I, I ended up way up there on top my legs wrapped around a piece of steel there that I was, I was sitting on. And we were having to connect some metal pieces together. And we were util- utilizing cordless drills with self-tapping screws to be able to connect those things. It's a normal work day building this building. And as, as I was way up there, you know, 
I don't know what, however far that is, the concrete's down here. You're trying to be really careful. And I was, I was putting two of these pieces of metal together. And as I put the, the, the uh, screw in the gun and I began to put pressure on it, as I leaned in to put pressure to make it work, all of a sudden the screw, it kind of fell out and the tip of that screw gun landed square on my thumbnail. Is there anybody in the room that can relate to this? Bill, he showed me his thumb earlier. Yeah. I got good news for you. Just hang on. I thought I was going to die right up there. But I knew that metal had to cope together. So I put another screw in the screw gun. I'm putting pressure on it a second time. And if you can imagine, a second time it spun out. And the screw tip a second time landed on the same thumbnail. By the time I got off of the of the, the beam up there, and I came down a little bit later. My, my thumbnail was tar- starting to turn like yours, Bill. I mean, it was, it was hurting, and it was throbbing. And it, 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 probably everyone in the room can relate to this. If you've ever done carpentry work, if you've ever slammed a car door, if, if you've never experienced anything like this, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a workshop on this later, but uh, that'll be after I'm gone. But, but I'm telling you, by the time I got down, isn't it interesting how the pain in the thumb doesn't just stay with the thumb? It's not long until it's radiating through your hand and up your arm, and ultimately, I'm telling you, your whole body feels the pain of that. Uh, and uh, I ultimately went home that night, uh, and, and it wasn't getting any better wasn't getting any better, and I, I was in pain, and I desperately needed relief. Now, think about this. We're talking about delicate issues. I was in incredible pain. I'd been around construction enough. I knew I needed to somehow drill a hole through my thumbnail to relieve the pressure off that. And, and just hang on. For those of you that have never experienced anything like this, just hang on. It, it, it will be okay. But, but that pain just kept getting worse and worse. And I'm, I'm trying to get ready for Sunday morning. I've got to get up here and be God's man of faith and power and all of that kind of stuff. And, but, and my thumb is killing me. And I, finally I said, I, I've got to get my pocket knife. I'm going to drill a hole through there with my pocket knife. And, and I'm trying to make it work. And my knife is dull and it's not working. And, and, and that's the way delicate issues will leave you. I'm just telling you. You try stuff and it doesn't work. And I'll never forget. I remember sitting there thinking, this is not working, but I've got to have relief. And let me tell you, if you're not smart in moments like these when you have delicate issues, you'll do dumb things. I'll never forget sitting there thinking, well, if my pocket knife won't do this, maybe I could go and find the smallest drill bit that I have for my drill. Do not do that. Do not do that. I did not do it, but I thought about it. Really stupid, really stupid thought. That's what delicate issues will do to you. I ultimately went to bed that night with my thumb hurting and throbbing. I woke up the next morning. It is black. I'm just telling you, it is, and it's swollen. I feel the pain of that. And yet it's time to go to church. I get to church and I'm standing in the foyer of the church greeting people and trying to smile when I don't feel like smiling. And all of a sudden I see this couple drive up in the parking lot that... uh, I mean, some of the sweetest people I've ever known, I'm telling you, in my lifetime. And they start walking in. And, uh, and, I, and I've already had people, you know, I've already had people who noticed my thumb and wanted to give me advice. One of the things I learned a long time ago, one of the best places in the world to get free advice is at church. And you don't even have to ask for it or want it. 
But it, I'm just telling you, in the family, we're talking familia. In the family, you can get free advice. It's not all good, but you can get free advice. I saw this elderly couple as they pulled into the parking lot. And they're walking in. I mean, you, they're, they're, you're always going to have a sweet conversation with them. And they walk in. We start greeting one another. And we're just, it's just wonderful. And all of a sudden, uh, the little lady, she looks at me and she says, Pastor, what happened to your thumb? Oh, sweetie, I, I remember it. she was so kind. What happened to your thumb? And, and I began to tell the story. And she said, well, let me tell you what you need to do. And I thought, if you can't trust grandma, you can't trust anybody. So I'm all ears. She said, all you have to do after church today, you go home and you get into Becky's sewing room or sewing kit, and you find the biggest needle that she's got. And I remember thinking, I thought I could trust you, but I don't even like needles. But she said, you take that needle and a pair of pliers, and you hold that needle, and you can put that into a flame of fire, and I'm thinking, I don't like anything about this. You put that into a flame of fire, it will get red hot really, really quick. And all you have to do, I'm just telling you, it's simple. It's touch that to your thumbnail. It will drill a hole right, it'll burn a hole right through there, and you'll have, you'll have some relief. I remember thinking, I'm never going to trust Grandma again. But we went through church that day. Got home, my thumb is still delicate issue, delicate issue, delicate issue. Becky went upstairs to go to take a nap, and I went looking for her sewing kit. And I found the needle, and my brain, all these voices. Let me just tell you, when you've got delicate issues that are unresolved, your brain is your worst enemy. It, I'm telling you, it will attack you. You'll have all kind of crazy thoughts. and You'll wrestle with a lot of things until you allow God to deal with the delicate issue. I'm getting the I'm getting the pliers and the needle and I, I finally walk into the into the kitchen and I turn the stove on and, and and do I do this do I not do I believe grandma do I not believe grandma is it true is it false uh, I'm just having all of these crazy thoughts uh, and I finally talk myself into it and I, and I I put the needle into the flame and it gets red hot a lot quicker than I wanted it to to be perfectly honest with you and it got red hot and I pulled it out of the flame and I started to touch it to my thumb and I I, I couldn't do it. I chickened out. A voice from inside of me was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And could I tell you, when you're dealing with delicate issues, your selfish human voice will say, don't talk about this. Don't do this. You don't deserve this. This is not your fault. Are you with me? I pull it out. I'm standing there. I'm just standing there helpless and about that time, Becky walks downstairs, and she sees me with, with this pair of pliers and a needle standing before the, the stove, and she knows nothing about what's going on. And she said, what's going on? I said, well, you know, the thumb, all this stuff, and, you know, sister so-and-so, she told me this morning that I should do this, and I, I'm really trying to believe it, but anyway, I'm, I'm working on it. She said, well, how's it going? I said, not good. I'll never forget it. She, looked, she said, do you want my help? I said, no, I don't want your help. This is my thumb. As of today, Becky and I have been married 18,665 days, but this is still my thumb. This is my delicate issue. This is my delicate issue. If my wife was ever like God, she was like God in that moment. She stood back and she said, okay, I'm here if you need me. 
And it was kind of a stalemate for a few seconds. But I finally handed the pliers and the needle to her. She put the needle in the flame. There's still a part of this I still can't wrap my mind around. She put it in the flame. She pulled it out. She so carefully and delicately touched it to my thumbnail. It did exactly what Grandma had said that day. It accomplished exactly what it needed to accomplish delicate issues. What about the delicate issues in your life? We're all lumps of clay. We're all on a journey. We're all, we're, God is working in our lives. Uh, God, I mean, we don't just come to church to hear God's word so that God's word can just be spoken and we go through the motions and we go home. No, God loves you right where you are, but he so desperately wants to move you from where you are and he wants to remove some lumps in your, in your clay. He wants to deal with some delicate issues in your life, but it'll only happen if you'll give the key to him. What about the delicate issues in your life? Question number five. I got to move quickly. How far will you go with the potter? The difference between us and the clay is the clay has no will. The clay has no voice. We have a will and we have a voice. Do you ever push back on God? You ever say, God, I want you to do this, but not yet? How far will you go with the potter? Will you only go so far as it is convenient for you? What if it requires more than you thought it was going to require? What if God has a different plan than you do? I don't know about you, but I've gone to God many times to get his help. And I've already figured out what he needs to do and the way he needs to do it. And I want to tell God what to do in my life and how to do it. And God doesn't need my help. What if God has a different plan than you have figured out in your life? How far will you go with the potter? And then finally, ties right into that, but will you allow God's dream to be born in you? Isn't it interesting how that when we think about that, will you allow God's dream to be born in you? Conceptually, that looks like one thing, but the potter does not work with the clay from a distance. The potter gets really close to the clay. The potter's hands are touching the clay. Gently and carefully and lovingly. I've never been the potter, but I've watched it happen. Will you allow God's dream to be born in you? Sometimes we're the, we're the lump of clay, but we're on the wheel, but God starts shaping and we start pushing back and saying, I don't want to do that, God. That's not what I had in mind for this day. Will you allow God's dream to be born in you, to continue in you, to move beyond your current reality? Let me ask it in a different way. How long has it been since you've been aware of the potter's hands touching you? 
not just hearing about the potter from a distance. How long has it been since you've been aware? You've been in his presence. You've been sensitive to the working of the hand of God. How long has it been since you've been aware of the potter's hands touching you, shaping you, forming you? I want to tell you this morning, God's best is formed on the potter's, on the potter's wheel. God's very best is formed on the potter's wheel. We can't afford to try to find a comfortable place on the potter's wheel. We've got to come to that place of surrender. So ultimately the question that I think we all need to just ask ourselves this morning is simply this. How do I need to respond to the potter today? How do I need to respond to the potter today? The potter looks at that clay. He sees it just like it is, but he knows what is needed to move that clay from here to here. What do you need to allow the potter to do today? Why don't you stand with me across this room? God, I pray that in these moments that you will take the simplicity of this word today and that you will speak to every one of us. God, that you will help us to be, move beyond the, the concepts and the word pictures related to a potter and the clay this morning and that we'll just make room for you. We'll make room for you. Lord, I'm saying it right now, God. Sometimes we sing the song. But I'm saying it right now, Lord. I will make room for you to do anything you want to do in my life. God, I make room for you. Don't you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment, just to create a just a moment of, of just privacy, just between you and God. Has God been talking to you this morning? I sure hope it's more than a sermon. I sure hope it's more than just words and stories. What's God talking to you about right now? What's God talking to you about? How are you really doing? What does God desire to do as we gather for this family gathering on this Sunday morning? What does God want to do in your life? embarrass anyone. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. But let me just ask you very simply, how many of you are in this room and and as we've talked about how you're really, really doing? If we're not careful, we, we cover up the things that need to be dealt with, with makeup and we try to cover things up, but just wonder how many of us are in this room and we're going to pray in a few moments 
I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I just wonder how many of you just simply, by raising a hand, you'd simply say, Pastor Mike, as, as God's been delivering this simple word this morning, he's kind of turned the spotlight on some areas in my life that, that he wants to change, that he wants to touch, that he wants to, he wants a breakthrough. Maybe there's some offense that you need to let go of. Maybe there's some unforgiveness that you desperately, God wants you to give it. He wants you to give that forgiveness. Maybe there's some failures that you've experienced. It, those lumps come in all sizes and shapes and forms. I just wonder how many of us are here this morning. and Just by raising your hand, you'd say, God's talking to me about some stuff right now, and I want to give it to him this morning. If that's you, just slip up your hand all across this room. Yeah, 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 there's a bunch of us. God's talking to me about some things. He's talking to me about some things. Let me just tell you, it doesn't. It, little stuff can really mess you up. It's like a grain of sand that gets in your shoe, and you think it's only a grain of sand, but you keep walking, and it, 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 it'll affect you negatively. God wants, he wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants you to pull you in close. He wants to minister to those areas today. I feel like the Holy Spirit's even speaking to me right now that maybe some things we not even, don't always think about in conjunction with this, but when we're allowing anxiety and fear to continue in our lives, and we don't like it. And we don't like the result of it. But that anxiety and that fear, it's, it's like it, it becomes a, a straitjacket and a limiter for us. And the potter just wants to deal with that today. It's even little things like that. I want you to make room for God to, to really minister to you today. Let me ask another question because it all begins, it all begins, it's all frames around a relationship with the potter. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I wonder how many of you are in this room and and by raising your hand, you'd simply say, I don't have that relationship with God that God desires to have with me. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be in relationship with you. And you would simply say, I, I don't have that. And for some, it may be that you at one point had a vibrant relationship, but that relationship is not there today. Or maybe you're here and, and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Could I just tell you, if that's the case, the Bible makes it very clear. He doesn't make it hard to come to him. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins uh, from all unrighteousness. He's, he, he will change our lives. I just wonder how many are in this room and you'd simply say, Pastor Mike, I want, I want to make, make a decision today that my relationship is going to be with Jesus. I want to make room for the shepherd, the, 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 pot, the potter in my life. I want to invite Jesus. Uh, I want to reinstitute that relationship wherever you're coming from. I just want to make room for Jesus in my life today. If that's you, just slip up your hand really quickly. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you best decision you'll ever make in your lifetime just making room for Jesus 
tell you what I want us to do. The worship team's here. They're going to lead us in one final song. And then I'm going to come back up and pray. I want to make room for something. I don't want you to feel any pressure. But I believe with all my heart that even the Bible talks about the fact that as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. That many times in our lives that God is looking for us to take a step to not just acknowledge that there are areas that God wants to work on, but we take a step that says, God, I give you permission to do whatever you need to do in my life today. As the worship team is leading us in this song, I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I want you to allow Him to just minister to you. But if you raised your hand for any of those things a moment ago, as we're worshiping, would you don't even wait until the end of the song. Would you just step out from where you are and come down to the front? I want to close the service praying over you. I believe God, God wants to meet with us today. Let me tell you, there's some stuff that God wants to take care of that you don't need to take home with you today. And God can minister in those areas today. Delicate issues, simple issues. If you just want to allow God to just really minister to them, the loving arms of God to embrace you. As they lead us in this song, I want you to step out, come down to the front. I'll come back up. We're going to pray over you before we close this service. Worship team, let's worship. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.